Thank you for joining Christine Crockett-Smith as she shares insights and parenting strategies from her gold medal winning book, 18 Master Values, Be the Parent You Wish You'd Had, a great resource for peaceful parent-child relationships. A great resource for peaceful parent-child relationships. Hello there. Thank you so much for joining me today, whether you're live or whether you're going to watch this later. We're here today to talk about my book, 18 Master Values, Be the Parent You Wish You'd had. I've been having so many conversations this week about that particular sentence and how it's so simple that if you just treated your kids with the respect that you wish people would treat you with, oh my gosh, changes everything. Anyway, I'm here today with a really exciting guest, good friend of mine, Sarah Hurley. Hello. Hello. How are you? I'm fantastic. Thank <laughs> you for coming. She's going to tell you a little bit about who she is as a parent. Tell them. It's, kind of, it's fascinating, fascinating, fascinating your life as a parent to me. Oh, well, so I have five children total. I have a daughter, Hannah, who's 23. Faith is 19. They're out on their own. Woohoo! And doing Ooh. it successfully. Adulting. So that's good. Yeah. My son, Ransom, is 16, and he is in the culinary program and all about the chef life now. So we're excited about that for his high school career. And then I have Flip, who is my stepson. He's nine. He's with us a good portion of the time. And then my son, Graham, that I adopted from foster care, is seven. He'll be eight in a few weeks. He's reminding me every day. <laughs> of course he is. Isn't that cute? <laughs> yeah. With my kids, I was always like, we, we never did the halves. I was always like, you are two. And then there's also 364 days there. We're not going to talk about that until you're three. And then you'll uh -huh. be three. Let's, uh -huh. let's like have it for a whole year. Yeah. That's cute. So yeah. he's already pushing it, cause, as they do. Since September. <laughs> We've been talking because he wants a Nintendo Switch. But you see, and it's so, all about the gifts. Isn't yes. It? All about the parties and the gifts yes. and the guests. Yes. yes. So how fun. Uh -huh. Well, we are here today. We're going to talk about the two master values, wisdom mm -hmm. and self-care. And as I say all the time, every time I'm talking about any of these, it feels like this is so important. And I guess, yeah, they all are because... That's why they're in the book. Wisdom is a fascinating conversation that I have with people because if you asked 100 people how to define it, you would get 100 different answers. Everybody thinks of it differently. And one thing that simplified it for me is I was trying to figure out what I believe wisdom is and how I would define it is that it is like the impl that's not the word. It's Knowledge is learning something, and we all learn things that we're told or we read or we see or whatever, but learning it, just the words of it, isn't very useful. And to me, wisdom is the application of knowledge. It's when you take things that you've learned experientially or whatever, and you actually apply them to your life. Yeah, yeah. I have a teacher that says, knowledge is knowing that water is H2O, but wisdom is knowing how to make it rain. Whoa! Yeah, yeah. Oh, I love that. Yeah. That's such a beautiful visual. Yeah. That's way better than just knowledge is applying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 And with our kids, I think quite often parents get lost in thinking that our job is to tell them things. And one thing one of my spiritual leaders says all the time is words don't teach. You teach by action. And I think it's okay to tell kids things mm -hmm. that we think they need to know, mm -hmm. but then I think telling them how to actually put it into their lives and make it useful is important too. Yeah, I think for me with wisdom and one of the things that I struggle or strive with with my kids and that I try to teach or reach to them is the inner knowing, mm. you know, the inner knowledge and trusting your gut and trusting the millions of years of evolution and that voice inside of you. 
Um, yes, we need to respect and respond to our elders and all of the generational wisdom that's passed down in our families, but I think we're all born with what we need and all the knowing that we need inside if we're able to listen to that. I think culturally now we shift to looking at what's outside and looking at other people and what other people are saying is wisdom or what we're supposed to want or do or have, but it's that still small voice. That's your wisdom. That's what lives in you. You know, and even, you know, there's the stranger danger thing and don't, you know, don't get in the car with strangers and don't talk to strangers. No, you're, you're more likely as a child to get hurt by somebody that's close to you, True. you know, so trust that and trust that voice in you that says that I'm not safe and tell your kids it's okay to trust that and it's okay to be rude. It's okay to say no to an adult if you don't feel safe. You know, that's, that's, to me, that's wisdom when we're, when we're dealing with parenting. Oh my gosh. Teaching him to listen to that. And to your point, you said something about, um, Yes, we have to respect our elders, and, and it, it's a, such a delicate balance if you're in front of your grandparents or if you're in front of a teacher uh-huh. or somebody, an author, any authority figure. Yeah. Our culture teaches kids to just shut up and, and listen and quite often believe and internalize whatever it is they're being told. Mm-hmm. But you can do that, can't you? Can't, can't we teach them? To, they can be listening to that inside voice mm-hmm. and that small voice inside. And if a teacher is telling them something that they think is BS or isn't mm-hmm. right, just to use your internal voice to mm-hmm. go, okay, I think you're full of it, and I actually believe this instead. You don't have to say it out loud right. and make it a con- conflict, but you also don't have to internalize it and just believe them. Well, it's the art of teaching your kids how to respectfully disagree. Yeah. And, and th- that starts in the house. You know, I would tell my kids, you're allowed to tell, you're allowed to say, I don't think so. I want to come up with a different plan. I don't like this. You can, we can have discourse all day long as long as you're being respectful, you know. Respectful to using, you makes you want to be respectful yeah, of them. Using kind words and, you know, but let's, but I, I'll, I'll listen to your opinion all day long um, and we can talk about it you know, and then come up with a decision. Sometimes, you know, obviously we're parents, we're going to have to put our foot down and say, but when you give kids the room for the discourse, you can say, you know what, usually I let you decide, or usually we talk it out. And this time I'm going to have to decide and say no. Yes. They respect where you're coming from when you come respectfully. And, you know, there's a a group I'm a part of called Peaceful Parenting, and there's so much confusion about what that means Mm -hmm. within this discourse. And some of them think it means being permissive, like letting the child do anything they want, which no. is so not what it means. It means that when you do have to put a barrier down or a rule or a, an expectation, that you do it with love and respect. And boy, do they feel that right, right. different than being yelled at. I heard right. somebody say recently that she was trying this peaceful parenting thing and she just <laughs> didn't understand how you can send somebody out in the world that hasn't been yelled at. And then how are they going to deal when the teacher yells at them? I had a lot to say about that. Yeah. But yeah, they'll figure it out. They'll they'll how beautiful if they've already got the internal dialogue that lets them know that if someone is yelling at them, it's not about them. Right. Right. And you know, I was a mom at twenty and so the mother that I was at twenty is, you know, much different than Has the mother I am now. And I wasn't a great parent. You know, I didn't have the skill set or the knowledge or the wisdom. You know, and so I think the one thing that kind of saved me was, you know, I had a home birth and so at at 20 and so that powerful experience kind of helped me learn to listen to my own guidance as far as being a mom or whatever, but I still didn't have this skill set, you know, I I still didn't. And it shows in my relationships with my kids and the way that we've struggled, um, it, it shows, it shows. I have to say, I think I'm like the best parent I've ever been like. 
I, I think, I mean, you know, isn't that a bummer that yes. you can't be like 55 and having your first baby? Right. Because you'd be awesome. Uh, well, I don't know. I don't know because so much of it is because of what I've learned from parenting right. them. That's true. It's That's not, true. It's not just life wisdom. Right. It's, right. it's trying this and it not working and then trying that. And this is why grandparents are so important. Oh, my gosh. Isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Healthy grandparents. Healthy grandparents, yeah. I mean, my mom is coming in today. I'm about to go pick her up at the airport, and she's this amazing grandmother. And she, Aww. her wisdom is in her quiet support, Aww. you know, and her just listening. And I will, I can call her and bless her heart. Sometimes I do a lot, and I just talk and talk. And, you know, and I work things out in my own head with her just being sitting quietly with me. And recently, my 23-year-old called me, and she said, Mom, what do you do when you're having an anxiety attack, and you have to be at work in 15 minutes, and everything's... And I said, you call your mom. That's what I did yesterday. You oh, know? <laughs> how beautiful for her to hear that yeah. that's a lifetime thing. Yeah, you call your mom. There's no shame in that. No, you call your mom. And you're so right about the just providing a safe listening space mm-hmm. without feeling like you have to correct and save everything. Mm-hmm. So many times, I believe, you know, I believe more in collaboration than teaching Mm -hmm. and I do believe everybody has it within them Mm -hmm. and that my job is just to help them kind of uncover and discover it. Help you bring it out. Yes. Bring it out. Yeah. Yes. And when you realize that it's in there, some sometimes when it's just in your head, it can kind of be bouncing and pinging around and having to put words to it to Mm -hmm. another quite often you get the clarity right there without the other person saying anything. That's true with our kids too. Right. Providing a safe space for them to share without us acting like we need to fix it. Mm-hmm. That's the process. Yes. One thing I used to tell them, you know, when they would come home from school, I think it's in the book, um, and they'd just have whatever it was that was so unjust and they were so angry about it. And I would just listen and then I'd say, is this something you want me to get involved in? Because the mama bear stuff comes out, you know, and you right. do want to go up there and fix it, but that doesn't always fix it. But occasionally a child really does need an adult's help. And I would just, I got in the habit of saying, is this something you want me to help with? And 99% mm. of the time the answer was no. You know, like they just needed to get it out. Right. Um, and then there was that 1% where they were like, yeah, 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 this is bigger than me. Like when they were being treated disrespectfully by adults. Uh-huh. When they weren't being heard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And to have empowered them to expect to be heard mm-hmm. was kind of beautiful. Right. Right. You know, one thing, another thing about wisdom that I think is really important, especially within a family unit, is that it doesn't mean the same thing to everybody, mm-hmm. and it doesn't even mean the same thing to a person over time. Right. It can change. Right. Our truths can change when we're given different relationship circumstances mm-hmm. or we learn new things. Right. And helping your kids know or believe that truth is individual. Mm-hmm. And if anyone else is trying to tell them that their truth trumps mm-hmm. the child's, that they have a right to question that. Right. I think right. that's one of the biggest lessons we can give them. Right. Yeah. It goes back to that inner knowing. It goes back to the... Standing in your truth. Right. And I think that we're all here on a different journey. And we yes. all came here for different reasons. Yes. And that we get fed different things. Right. Right. And... So for me to get a download or something come through me that feels like, oh, my gosh, yes, and then to insist that that also be yours Mm -hmm. is ridiculous. And we do that to our kids all 
all the time, right. all the time. Well, it's a cultural thing. Right. You know, it's a cultural thing that that our children are a product of us and that we're responsible for all of their actions and all of their behaviors. And so one and of, that it reflects on us. Yeah. And, you know, and one of the things that I do in my practice is the kids, the families, they'll come in with these children. And it, the first thing I have to teach is this child's journey has nothing to do with you. This child came through oh, you. Became, it, has no, it has nothing to do with They're here on their own path with their own plan and their own soul lessons that they have to learn in their own soul contracts. And it's not about you. How arrogant yeah. to think that this is your journey. Yeah. You know, somebody told me the other day that I must be so proud of my, or something about being proud of my son or, or, or it, it was like wanting him to take me to take ownership of his accomplishment. And I said, no, I'm not going to own that because if I have to own all of his successes, then I also have to make all of his failures about me. <laughs> and let's just let those be his. That's true. Let's let those be his. Both sides. Yeah, both yeah. sides. I was on a um, program recently. <laughs> and um, anyway, it became apparent that this parent was making decisions on the how he was going to raise his children out of fear it was so fear-based it was so about judgment and what other people were going to think and it was so interesting to watch the conversation and how he had been rationalizing that that made sense and was okay like nobody had ever told him what you just said nobody Mm. had ever told him that if he's guiding his child and nurturing his child and being there and being supportive of his child and paying attention to who his child is, then yeah, his child's going to make mistakes and you're going to be there to help him rise up. But you cannot be worried about what other people are thinking or judging him about. No, no. Or or you do start making decisions out of fear. Right. Which doesn't serve anybody. Right. And a lot of times because we're being judged on our parenting and we're, we're sitting in that cultural place of, you know, it, it needs to be done this way and it's all our fault and it's all our responsibility. We make choices that fail our kids. We, we enable and we don't let them fall. and We don't let them make their own mistakes that they're responsible for because of all of that. And then we're just creating a bigger problem for ourselves. It's kind of like, you know, small example, your son, you're not wanting to wear a coat to school all right, well, you're going to be cold, you know, let him go to the bus stop without a coat. He's only going to do it a couple of times, but it's all of the, the school thinking that, you know, you're a bad parent because you didn't send your kid with a coat and all of that. That's why you fight. Yeah. So you make him wear a coat and he doesn't learn the lesson about remembering his coat when he's cold. And you create this huge power struggle in your own home because of what other people are going to think. And that's doesn't serve anybody. No. Doesn't serve anybody. I was at a conference with Glennon Doyle mm-hmm. a couple of weeks ago, and she was talking about how generationally every generation of parents has been given a different memo, which is <laughs> so true. When you think about like the 50s and 60s, the way that it was appropriate to parent in the United States of America then is like alien planet to today. Yeah. And she was talking about how my generation's memo was don't ever let a drop of rain ever touch this child's <laughs> head right 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 the, the slicker and the umbrella yeah and you walk them there and it's like yeah. and, and you carry their backpack and you carry their <laughs> backpack and you put them their coat on them and you make sure they wear their shoes and they that was our our mm-hmm. memo mm-hmm. and man the lessons that the kids miss mm-hmm. when you don't allow them mm-hmm. to stumble a little bit yeah important 
Yeah, that was the hardest thing. You know, my oldest daughter struggled with addiction and getting in the place of letting her be in that, letting her make her mistakes and telling her, you know, when you want to get well and you want to do different, you know where to find us. But I am not going to get down in that mess with you. And I would tell her, I will hold the broom or the dustpan. I'm not holding both while you clean up your mess. You know, and that we're in the oh, place of beautiful. we're in the place of doing that now. You know, beautiful. Yeah, so we I'm, share that that challenge yeah. that we had with yeah our eldest. Yeah, yeah. But getting down there with them does not. Seem I didn't to be make the, the mess. I'm not cleaning it up. But I will. I will stand next to you and I will assist. You know, and be part of your solution when you're ready to clean it up. Such a powerful place. Have you seen yeah. the movie? Hmm. It's not boy erase. Beautiful boy. I, I don't think I can. I don't know if yeah. I can yet. I, I think I may have to watch that one at home. I just don't know that I can. I've seen it and I want to see it, but I don't know if I, I think it's still too fresh. It, it, they did such a great job of portraying that challenge of a parent mm-hmm. who wants to save and help and, and do well, do the right thing, but how sometimes what appears to be the right thing short term does not serve. Well, and you know, and you're, you're trying to do that. I mean, with everything in parenting, but never so much as when you have a kid that's in distress and it's struggling with any, you know, illness or behavioral issue. You know, I had all of these people questioning and judging my parenting and, you know, which makes it even harder to do. And, you know, family relationships and things that, that shifted and, and, in all of that, and I was doing my best. And if we all just gave each other the grace of, you know, 99% of us are doing our best, you know, and your best is gonna look different from day to day. It's one of the four agreements, right? Always do your best and it's gonna look different from day to day. But if we just gave each other the grace of that, that person is doing their best with what they're working with and what they have, you know, that changes everything from a parenting perspective, from a community re- perspective, from a, it changes it inside our families, and on a global level. If we could show know. up and be supportive in the midst of the angst. Yes. And ask, yes. can I help? Yeah. Versus judging and eye rolling. I always think about that when a mom or dad is on a plane with a little one. Yeah. And 99% of their <laughs> angst, they've heard the child cry before. Yeah. It's not that. They're yeah. so concerned about everybody around <laughs> them getting upset. And any chance that I have yeah. to touch them gently or look them in yeah. the eye or something and say, it's just about it's you fine. and them. Yeah. It's just you and it's them. It's fine. All you got to worry about. Yeah. 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 They'll all be okay. I see that, you know, sometimes on Facebook, you know, with these young moms and they're so worried about what kind of diapers or whether they're <laughs> breastfeeding or whatever. And I'm like, someday... You're not, you won't even remember, like, it's so, so we'll just let her do her best, you know, right. and sometimes I'll interject and I'll say that, you know, let's just let her do her best. Um, I'm old, I'm an old mom, you know, just listen, just let her do her best. Yep. She's doing her best. And let her know we're here if you do yeah. need questions or help or anything, yeah. but yeah, let her figure it out. Let you figure <laughs> it out together, right? Yeah. <laughs> Which kind of is a beautiful segue into the value of self-care. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. For parents, yeah, it is such the first thing that goes, yeah, and that is mental self care, physical self care, spiritual self care. Yeah, you know, one of my spiritual mentors talks about selfishness and how that word has been 
turned into a negative word in our culture. Mm-hmm. And I preach that it's like yeah. so incredibly important because you can't show up strong and oh. full and useful right. when you are zapped. And man, is that a cultural thing? That is, it's a, it's totally a cultural thing. It's totally a cultural thing. The, um, you know, make yourself an empty bucket is a cultural thing. I get so fired up about this because, I mean, I really do. It took me until my third child to go, oh, wait, I got to put me first. You know, mm. I have to put me first and I have to take care of me. So, you know, in my hierarchy of what's important, my priorities, and my husband and I agreed on this before we got married, um, is that, you know, God or our relationship with our creator comes first, you know, that and then ourselves were second. Um, our marriage is third. And then the kids come next. Because if I don't have me, I can't do him and I, you know, and if I don't have the connection with the divine and the spiritual sustenance, I can't I can't do me fully. Um, That's and then, so important, Sarah. Yeah. And because we're seeing that now we're, we're down to less and less kids in the house, you know, and now because we're a blended family situation, we don't have kids. We just have each other, you know, and if I didn't take care of myself properly and, and act and act in, and from a place of self-love, right. then I'm not lovable. And that reflects in a relationship. And so it's really been interesting to watch how that has shifted and my own level of self-care and what I'm doing for me has shifted my relationship with my husband and my relationship with my kids. And, you know, when I took off for a year to go study with the shamans in Peru and I gave myself that gift of be, after being a mom for 20 years, you know, that was the ultimate act of self-love and self-care. And I built right. a business out of it. And my my mother was kind of freaking out, you know, because that's not what she it's not the culture yeah it's not the culture and it's that negative use of selfishness but all my kids saw me do that Mm. all my kids saw me go do this thing and build this business and you know be published as an I'll do all of these amazing things at 40 you know when we're supposed to be on the downhill slide you know and I'm creating all of this stuff and my daughters are like wow that's really really cool and it allowed my kid's dad to step in and be their dad in a way that he never had before. And everybody was okay. And what I discovered in all of this is that I'm not that important. Wow. You know, I had put myself, I have to do all of this and I have to cook all the meals and I have to make all this happen and I have to arrange all of this. And really, this is just a form of like control that I'm in so that I feel safe and that I feel like I'm useful. Useful. Yeah. Oh, my God. And so I tell people, I say, you know, self-care, I see all this stuff about, you know, mommy's juice boxes and the wine, and, the, and I love wine. So, but um, self-care is not manis and petties, and it's not, uh, you know, girls' night out, and it's not bubble bath. All of that's lovely, but self-care is finding out the reason why you're here and answering the call of your soul. Because when you have that, and I'm a perfect example of that, like when you find that place, like what I'm here for and what I came here to do, that's when the magic starts to happen. And that's everything else starts to fall into alignment. But me as a mom, I'm important to my children. I am the the son that their lives revolve around. I get that. But other people can step in and do that. And they will be okay if I take some time for me and I go build some things or if I go work or if I, you know, spend two weeks in South America to fill my bucket and I can come back and be a better mom. Um, Two great lessons that you're giving them there. One is look how beautiful it looks to have discovered who you are and why you're here as an adult and that life 
doesn't end when you become an adult. It mm-hmm. can begin. It's a totally different chapter. Mm-hmm. And to show them that while the interconnectedness of all of us is lovely and beautiful and rich and part of why we're here, they really don't need to think of themselves as dependent on any other human ever. Mm-hmm. Two really huge lessons. I was reading on, um, I'm really into the work by Byron Katie. The work. I love by the work. Byron Katie. And loving what is. You don't need anything is. else. Yeah, and there was a mom on there talking about how she went to see Byron Katie. She wrote an article about it because she had cancer. And she was like, but my children, like, they, they need me. And she would say, start with the work. The first question is, is this really true? Is this really true? And, and she wow. kept drilling her on it. Is this really true? And she was like, Really? Like, they're not, they don't. Like, envision life if you were not there tomorrow. Yeah. How would that go? Oh, yeah. my gosh. The sun would come up. Yeah. They would wake up. Yeah. They would find something to eat. Yes. Somebody would step in. Yes. And make sure it went well. Yeah. Which can hurt the yeah. ego a little bit yeah. beyond what yeah. peop- a lot of people want to go to. Yeah. But, man, it's way more powerful than it is hurtful. Right. When right. T- yes. Yeah. It's so powerful, not just for you, but for everybody observing you. Definitely right. your kids, definitely your mate, but also just everybody as you're yeah. going out in the world to see you being your full you is like the best service you can give. Yes. Without ever speaking a word, mm-hmm. without teaching, just mm-hmm. just going forth with just experiencing. So believe it or not, we're almost out of time. <laughs> and I want to make sure that we take enough time to tell people what you're doing because you're doing so much and so much of it it is exciting we could actually do an entire show just on what you're doing <laughs> so you're the one who's going to have to encapsulate the most important parts into whatever you think they need to know yeah. first of all just tell them what you're doing and who you are and then make sure before we end sure. that they know how to get in touch with you yeah and one of the things that my husband and I do is we run a nonprofit called switch life and we my husband's a professional skateboarder and he's darling and precious, and we came with similar soul missions. And so we run this nonprofit. We teach skateboarding lessons to at-risk kids all over the Metroplex. We and run if you want to see skateboarding with at-risk kids, go see the movie Mid-90s. Mid-90s was great. It was my husband's childhood in a movie. Yeah. Yeah. So Switch Life is out there at switchlife.org, and we're on Facebook. And uh, we're actually in the process of building a mobile skate park trailer. We just got enough funding together for that, and we're going to be dropping skate parks in um, underserved areas and communities where we're just going to roll up in a housing project um, and just bring a skate park. It's so exciting. And if you think about those kids in that movie, they were their own little pack of youth Uh with no direction. Mm -hmm. And their bond with skateboards. But what you guys are giving these kids is the bond of skateboarding, Mm -hmm. but with some adult guys. Yeah, well, my husband came from a hard place. So, um, you know, he does uh, a lot of mentorship work with them. And we do yoga. And and the skateboard is just to get him in the door. Right. I love that. And then the other thing I am doing is um, I have a private practice. I am a trained shaman and healer. Um, so that's what I've spent the last several years doing under Alberto Violdo of the Four Winds. He is uh, an amazing teacher. And so I have my own healing practice and I see clients, children and families. I focus a lot on childhood trauma and issues with kids, um, practicing energy medicine. 
And in that, I am developing a program teaching indigenous wisdom to children. So I've developed something called the Indigo Aztec Method, which stands for I am. I wrote a workbook a couple years ago, um, and that's encapsulated. And basically what I'm doing is sharing indigenous healing techniques and indigenous wisdom, stories, folklore, songs, art, music, uh, teaching them how to take care of their emotions and the earth and each other, and really teaching you about the interconnectedness uh, that we have with each other and with our planet. So that's just in the launching stages, but it's going, it's going, it's going. <laughs> it's like the most exciting thing to me, Sarah. You know that my work in the world, I mean, this is a parenting book. Yeah. But the goal of it is to create peaceful yeah. peace in the family. And hopefully these kids that we're touching and giving these tools to right. won't have to do quite so much excavating before they go out into the world adulting. Right. I mean, and that's what we're at. That's where, you know, I mean, the, the workbook is called Heal Your Feelings. And it's a energy medicine technique that I developed for kids. And it's for them to heal their own imprints from their energy field when they have their own little traumas and scares. The curanderos call it susto. It's a little bit of soul loss, mm. you know, when we have these experiences. And I've taught these kids how to, or in teaching them how to remove that and how to clear that and how to ground and center themselves. And um, so that's, empowering. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. No matter yeah. what situation they're in. Yeah. My no husband calls it, the, he calls it the little workbook that could, I mean, it's just out there oh. just kind of percolating and, um, yeah. And people can, even if they didn't have access uh -huh. to you or connect with you personally, uh -huh. they can access the workbook and do it in their own home with their own kids. Right. Yeah, right? it's on Amazon. Yeah, yeah, it's on Amazon. Say the name of it again. Heal Your Feelings. Heal Your, Heal feelings. your feelings. Yeah. It's under my pen name, which is Sarah Green, but if you just type in Heal Your Feelings. And then my website is sarahbethhurley.com. So that's everything. That's my writing, and that's my healing services, and the workbook, and the indigo aztec method and the camps that i'm doing locally and then traveling to do those in different locations so and does someone have to be here to be able to work with you no i work remotely all over yeah all over the planet all over the planet yeah. planting little seeds yeah. of wonderfulness yeah. with children and adults yes yeah. and it's a fascinating field that's growing really really quickly mm -hmm. And a lot of people have never heard of it, and a lot of people who've heard of it have never experienced it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I hope that people will dip their toe in. And yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of like chiropractic was 20 years ago, right. energy work and energy medicine, and everybody went, well, that's crazy, you know, but Dr. Mark Hyman and all of these big-name doctors, the medical medium guy, you know, everybody's starting to realize that there's something to this and quantum physics it's is quantum showing physics. that there's something to there's this. something to it and it works you know people will come see me and they're like wow i slept for the first time in six months i'm like ha, it actually works but it really, <laughs> <laughs> it really does it really oh, does thank you for doing your work in the world thank both you. with adults and children and your family i'm so honored to know you thank you thanks for having me You're i really welcome. appreciate our time together always thanks for coming today <laughs> thanks and thank you guys for joining us. And you can check me out at christinecrockettsmith.com or at 18mastervalues.com. And the book can be found on my website or on Amazon. Or if there's anything else that I can do to help you, let me know. And thank you so much for joining us. I'll see you next time. Mm -hmm.